You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Welcome to episode 61 of 40 Going On 14, and I am Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh, and little known fact, I actually have a utility belt myself. Within the pockets, you'll find a 20-sided die, a deck of magic cards, a bag of Doritos, and one pouch that appears to be empty, but when opened, it's revealed to contain sarcasm. In retrospect, I probably should have said what this show is about. It's the first of Bat Month. Bat Month. We are celebrating the 75th, 75th anniversary of Batman. Yes, 75th. Yeah. 75 years of Batman, and we are celebrating it with the entire month of November, because... Uh, it's, it's, it's na 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 november Shut up, Pat. Oh. So, but yeah, we could. We decided that we couldn't honorably do any justice to Batman with just one show, and you guys wouldn't have stuck around for a four and a half hour show anyway, so... We're uh, breaking it up, and uh, this week we are doing the comic books, going from uh, the 80s comic books, because that's kind of like when all of us started reading. I don't recall any of us. They may start reading before the 80s. No, I mean, we'll talk about the stuff back from the 30s and 40s, but uh, we'll mostly be focusing on the 80s and 90s for then. All right, so uh, we're going to be heading up there and uh, talking about some current and then Batman. But in the meantime, I hear we have communique from the listeners. Oh, yes, I, we I can do that. Oops, uh, let's sorry. start with... <laughs> I always uh, do that backwards, man. No. Hey, did you know that we're on Musings of a Geek Network? <laughs> That's what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> I, and I never say it. Um, no, we are on Musings of a Geek Network with a whole bunch of other shows, such as uh, uh, Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks, Who the What Now, um, and there's like six more this week. I thought Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks was, pretty freaks was done. Is it? What was no. the one that ended? No, that was, uh, what is this movie? No, uh, dang it. It was the one that we, uh, recorded the bumper for their final, uh, award show was best of the worst movie podcast. There you oh, go. that one's done. Okay. Well, yeah, sorry. yeah that, and those guys are doing a, a new one. If I recall, that show just ended because those guys, I believe were in the military service and, uh, they got to go home. Oh, yeah, oh good. very cool. Can I think good for that. Something like that. Or maybe they were redeployed somewhere else. That's not so good. Well, we thank you for that, if that's the reason. There's also, uh, let's see, the new ones. We've got Moving the Needle. Got some mm-hmm. uh, shows about music. Uh, History of Bad Ideas, as we know. Uh, one called The Bearded Ones. Of course, like I said, Who the What Now? How is this movie? And there's a sports show, too, apparently. It was a show on sports. We have one show. It's called Left Field Sports Lounge. Indeed. Yes, because everybody's a geek about something. Hey. Uh, what? You're right. In addition to finding us on the Musings of a Geek podcast, uh, podcast network, <laughs> uh, you can also find us Saturdays at noon on Geek Life Radio, or you can download our archives on iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, or TalkShoe. 
Yes, and uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, as the ones we're about to read, or listen to, in the case of audio, uh, 708-NELL-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. See, I choose to believe Mike believes that I've just been doing the voicemails, reading them in a bunch of funny voices, that Charlie's just a character I do. What? (laughs) You said the voicemails we're about to read. (laughs) I I thought you were. No, Charlie's a real person. Be afraid. Hmm. Speaking of, let's see what he had to say about Hawaii Five O. <laughs> oh my God, let's go. Okay, so you guys are talking about uh, Scott Kahn being uh, a previous hip hopper uh, in your your fucking Hawaii Five O episode. Uh, you said that he worked with the Alchemist. Uh, that's actually kind of a big deal. That guy, uh, the Alchemist, did a lot of good shit. Uh, he. The Alchemist and uh, a rapper named Agawa, or actually, I think it might even be the same person, did a uh, a Cookie Monster song, which is fucking, it's the tits. It's really good. And uh, who the fuck do you motherfuckers think you are calling me out? What the fuck do you miss me for? Why shaving a yak? What the fuck does a yak have to do with it? Uh, I'm feigning anger again. I don't know. Uh, I've been really busy. I've been underneath and on top of and in the middle of a 100 and some change year old building trying to fix stuff, and uh, I, I just, I rarely have time to listen anymore, and I've been making a concerted effort the past uh, week or so, as witnessed by the other times I've called you guys and yelled at you about stupid things. Anyway, you guys have a good day. Metal. That was a broad spectrum of yelling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like a stream of consciousness. Did yeah, I get... it was pretty cool. That's one of my favorite Charlie voicemails. Did I get that right that he's actually like refurbishing someone's home? No, he works he he works in a hundred plus year old building. And I don't know if he said what kind of building, so I don't want to give it away. I did his but job, he was working but... on the building somehow. Yeah, let's yes. let's not we can talk off air about what he does. No, I don't even want to know. Plaus- okay. Plausible ruin deniability. the mystique. No, I don't want they come for me. I want to be like, no, I seriously don't know where that man is. Is, is he a building <laughs> hitman? Does he kill buildings? Yes, yes. Hundred year old buildings. Well dressed as wait, mystique. They'll, they'll fall over on their own. Oh. <laughs> well dressed as mystique. <laughs> so so anyway, else? moving on. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I got a couple more. Uh, let's hear from Luke from Chicago. Hello, 40 going on 14. This is Luke from Chicago. Uh, I've been enjoying the show. I haven't really had much to say uh, over the last month or so. So I'm not a, uh, a huge Halloweenist. Almost said Halloweeny. That would be weird. Maybe not. Um, so it's just most, mostly been, been listening, taking it in. Didn't have much to contribute, but I thought I would call in. I am, however, super, super pumped for Bat November. And I'm not sure if this is going to work over the, over the Bluetooth, but I'm going to try. It's not the month. That you deserve. November is the month that you need. I have no idea how well that came out. Probably poorly. It's a very poor imitation to begin with, and I don't think it worked. But <laughs> I am legitimately super excited about that November. That butts to the back front, y'all. Out. That was that was like John Merrick was doing. It. Yeah, I have yeah. no idea what that was. It sounded like sloth. Mixed with the dwarf from with Twin the Peaks. Man. That's John Merrick, the yeah. Elephant Man. That's who. He- you know, when people ask me, "Oh, you do a podcast? What's your listener base like?" I'm like, you know what? <laughs> They're a I bunch guess- of freaks. However, <laughs> as strange as the impression of whatever that was, it was entirely <laughs> redeemed by bat butts to the bat front. Yeah. Oh, true. Yes. True story. I have to agree with that. <laughs> right. We got one. I'm from just glad Rand. that he's excited. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, our response to Bat Month has been uh, pretty overwhelming up to this point. All right, let's see what Randy has to say. Hey, gentlemen. This is Randy from Cincinnati again. 
Hey, uh, just listened to your show last week for uh, school lunches and whatnot. My, my question was, did any of you guys have, uh, you know, really cool lunch boxes when you were kids? Oh. You just use, literally use brown bags. I, I distinctly remember I had a really awesome Dukes of Hazard lunch box when I was in, like, first or second grade. Probably a G.I. Joe or Transformer or something after that. I, I don't remember exactly, but I do remember the Dukes of Hazard one. That was my biggest question after your uh, lunchness. <laughs> uh, be interesting to hear what's going to happen with this bat month. That might be a little bit of bat overkill, but I'm looking forward to it. Thanks, Is it going to drive him batty? Uh-huh. Ah, quit making jokers, Pat. Uh-huh. It's going to be a long month. It is. <laughs> uh, I actually f- vaguely remember having an ET thermos, but did I it elongate when you opened it? No, it just was that the John like, Holmes thermos. Sorry, I did it make supply. Nope, just had a picture of E.T. on it. Did, did it make the government scientists come and try and cut up your friends? <laughs> did, did, yes. Did it, yes, it they, did. When you got it out of storage, had it changed from a thermos <laughs> into like a, some other safer shape? Actually, I'm wishing I had the thermos and the government <laughs> agents right now. <laughs> when I was a kid, I my favorite, I, well, the only lunchbox I remember having was uh, a G.I. Joe one. And I, I, my mom had saved it and I pulled it out of storage i actually have it sitting behind me and it's uh it's rusted out a little bit but i still love it it's like the coolest lunchbox ever i've got a superheroes one superman batman it's actually right <laughs> i'm glad actually... you specified otherwise i was <laughs> no, just like... gonna assume it said superheroes on it <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know you know my childhood man your mother might have Com- bought something like completely that completely so. plausible up it's... on the shelf next to your math video game. Yeah. <laughs> you will get both of these. Superhero. It's like right over there. I could see it from here. I still have it. I'll take, a, I'll take a picture and post it on the rake. I bet you, Pat, though, on it is. It's 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 just pure white and but it's not it's not spelled the traditional way. It says S O U P O R H E R O. Oh no, G G Y R O, because they're in Illinois, Chicago. So it's actually super euro. Oh, super or euros. It was a <laughs> <Right>. question. <laughs> Which are you having in your lunch? Super euros. It's like the only game she would let him play. <laughs> <laughs> Math and super euro, super euros. She's like, you need you need a career path, son. <laughs> the kirk, turkey arc carcasses aren't going to hang themselves. <laughs> I can't even say turkey carcass. What's a turkey arcus? Get here. I was just talking about my cool lunchbox. It's Super a turkey harness. That's how you carry. That's how you hang your turkey carcass. It's your turkey harness. Uh, Super heroes and one big Mickey at Lake Michigan to go, please. All right, we got one more voicemail. Okay. Hi, uh, hey, this is Randy again. Sorry, I forgot to mention something. Um, Josh, really peanut butter and miracle whip. <laughs> really? I mean, really? That's just wrong. Bye. <laughs> See, you totally could have like never played that, and we would never know you were made fun of for that. So. I know. <laughs> you know what's funny is I found there's a jar of Miracle Whip in my fridge, but I don't know what's scarier, whether it's still good and I'm not sure, or whether I, I actually taste it and like it. So I just have left it alone, but I'm it's there. T- <laughs> That's the thing is you, you guys have all these opinions, and you've never tried it. It's pretty cool. I don't have opinions. <laughs> yeah, that's my line. <laughs> I mean, I, sewer rat may taste like motherfucking pumpkin pie, but I never know. <laughs> All anyway. right. I think it's about that time. 
Pat, you ready to talk Apparently about Mike the... disagrees. Well, Mike was crying into a soup or euros. <laughs> Super euros <laughs> box. This week in music, movies, and TV. So, 1986, this weekend, the year that The Dark Knight Returns came out. That was actually the year I started noticing Batman comics. So, let's see. What does Patrick have for us in music? This week begins True Colors by Cyndi Lauper. At the end of three weeks, is still number one. The song Amanda by Boston is being getting a two-week run at number one. I love Boston. Oh, True Colors. It's, oh. it's an actual sentence if you read every word. If you skip every other word, it doesn't sound like anything. <laughs> All right, let me try this. <laughs> the week begins with True Colors by Cindy Lauper at the end of three weeks at number one. And an and end with... Okay, it ends. I'm sorry, there should yeah. be an S on oh, I'm reading them exactly as it is. And end okay. with Amanda by Boston beginning its two-week run at number one. So Amanda knocked True Colors out of, the, out of number one. Yes. 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 I'm not sure if I'm glad for that or not. Yeah, I tried. I, I I couldn't remember like right off the top of my head what Amanda sounded like, and when I looked it up and started listening to it, I was like, "Yeah, I don't want to hear this." <laughs> <laughs> and then on November third, John Lennon's "Men Love Avenue" album is released posthumously and is also DOA. Men yeah, I I actually had to look up "Men Love Avenue" to make sure someone wasn't screwing with the show notes and changing a word. No, it refers to the to, to the home he that, that he grew up in. It was on "Men Love Avenue." Men yeah. Love Avenue. Hmm. Yeah. Sound on Neil Halstead, right? It, it was it was the, the the John Lennon's worst selling album ever, and well, let me put it this way: um, it was so bad that it was it was released November third, nineteen eighty six, and they stopped printing on it uh, in nineteen eighty six. Ooh, yikes! Now it's yeah. a collector's album. Yep, exactly. It's worth more. It's worth a lot more now for for being so bad than, oh. than it ever was for being good. Well, thank you, Yoko, for that. Yep. Thanks, Obama. <laughs> <laughs> Yoko Ono is Obama. Nothing. A lot. All right, so movies. Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home is the number one movie. Captain. Is that the one with the whales? Yes. There are big whales here. That's my. That's the only thing I remember from that movie. No. Right. I like, I like the, everybody remember where we parked. <laughs> that's the classic. Oh, that's also Nuclear Wessels. Sure is. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And computer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's all coming back to me. Yep. A double dumbass on you. <laughs> I still use a line from that all the time whenever I, you know, if I screw something up, I'm like, I'm sorry, I did too much LDS in the 60s. <laughs> <laughs> all right, makes $109 million, which is actually pretty dang good in 86. I think it's one of the highest grossing Star Trek movies. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Uh, 52 Pickup is released on November 7th, an action movie starring Roy Scheider and Anne Margaret. <laughs> what? I liked it. <laughs> yep. You've seen I, it? I, no, I just like the, the pairing. I like Anne Margaret a lot, but I don't Ooh, know about Roy Scheider in an action movie. Uh, Roy Scheider was awesome in that Blue Thunder. That Blue Thunder? <laughs> Where he movie. sat in a helicopter cockpit yeah. and never had to move. Hey, it was a badass helicopter, that's, dude. That's like the, same, that's the same casting as in, uh, like for Roy Scheider in an action movie, is like... Uh, what about Jaws? Vampires. That vampire movie with um, crud. With Jim Carrey, once bitten. Terrible. <laughs> oh, wait, you're talking about the, the vampire with uh, the one with Nicolas Cage? No, 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 no. God. no. <laughs> Kiss of the Vampire? No, 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 no. no, no, no. One with Clay Aiken? No. Transylvania 65000. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that. Um, No, it's just called Vampires. Who? who do... John, oh, John Carpenter's James, yeah, with, yeah, with James Wood. As, oh, that was good like, one. Badass. I own that one. Ugh, I've Did never seen like it. it. It's fun. It's ridiculous. At one point, James Wood grabs a guy who's like two inches taller than him by the collar and lifts him in the air. It's got Mark Boone Jr. in it. Shut your face off. It's a vampire. 
No, he's not. Oh, he's not a vampire? Oh, he's, yeah, he's a just vampire. some dude. He's a dude. Yeah, that's shit. All right. Uh, Hoosers on. is released next week. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah. I'm going to ready for it. Oh, yeah. For the Pat rant. I've never seen Hoosiers. Oh, my God. How is that possible? <laughs> Pat just had an orgasm, or he's I, he's really glad I have never seen Hoosiers. <laughs> no, I'm, just, I'm, I'm, in dis, I'm in disbelief. How is that possible? No. Anyway, great movie. Uh, Go see it. Uh, November third is the 30th anniversary of the annual showing of TWOO. Yes, that's a uh, terrified wives of otters. <laughs> uh, I uh, wow, I don't know what that is. Twi- I think it's a ghost who's counting. Twicky wants one olive. It's <laughs> Mr. No No's counting. It's the Wizard of Oz. Oh. Uh, oh. That makes less sense. I have never seen the Wizard of Oz. Shut up. That's a lie. Now he's I've, just lying. I'm just lying. No, I've never seen Hoosiers, though. I've seen. All right. Originally shown on CBS during the Ford Star Jubilee. You I know, did I, not know that. I kind of miss those shows. Like those, those like, uh, holiday celebration shows and they had a whole bunch of like b-list actors that would come back and do skit skit uh comedy and all that yeah they for years they also had like uh circus of the stars or something oh, man circus yeah. of the stars man <laughs> yeah you're right <clears throat> they only have dancing with the stars now we had them up they were up on like trampolines and shit that was yeah awesome. we shot them out of cannons <laughs> <laughs> in our day lion's mouths they just dance for you now well, they, they just redid a Circus of the Stars, and Louis Anderson jumped off like a 30-foot platform or something. Did he live? Yeah, as, as far before, as he knows. Before or after he died. He bounced a couple times. <laughs> yeah, they didn't fill the pool. He just had to. <laughs> All right. TV. I really want to jump off this ledge. That's why Louis Anderson. Thank <laughs> well, you. That was, it's actually not oh, so bad. Yeah. The Meat was... 86. The Holy yes. Trinity. Cosby Show. Family Ties. Cheers. Adorable families and various alcoholics, all wrapped in one-liners, schmaltz, and loud sweaters. And Skippy. Yeah, it's true. Skippy. He's metal. You know, he did a movie called Skippy Longstocking. That's not true. Can you make me a screaming Norseman? (laughs) You want the the cucumber bruised or sliced? Sliced, please. (laughs) I don't know what that means, but it's funny. (laughs) Because Patrick and I were watching Cheers. Oh. Uh, Sports. Sports. November 11th, the Houston Astros' Mike Scott wins the National League Cy Young Award with a record of 18 and 10. 18 and 10 what? I don't know, but that was impressive. 18 wins, 10 losses. Okay, we'll go with that. And by the next day, Roger Clemens wins the American League Cy Young Award. No, that's... Unanimously with a 24 and 4 record. That's that's Charlie Yak Young Award. That's an abbreviation, too. No. No. No? No, it is not. no, no. Don't don't bring up yaks because you bring up yaks and Charlie's going to start calling. That's why I put a- them in the same sentence. AL does stand for um, Garrick's disease. No, all Liechtenstein. So like it's it's an award for all Liechtenstein players. No, it's not. It's American League. Oh, I just thought it. it was Al. <laughs> like that. Al Cy Young. <laughs> Al Cy Young. Yeah, it was his cousin. <laughs> but strangely enough, his nickname was Cy. Okay. And he got arrested for tax evasion. And then he became a hologram. <laughs> oh, boy. And he fought the misfits. Okay. It's just getting worse. <laughs> They're making <laughs> yeah, a gem movie. <laughs> hey, At the end Mike, of this weekend. Uh, yeah. Superheroes. Play them play off, off, keyboard cat. <laughs> Remind me later. We need a closer for this week. Yeah, da, 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 da. There, just didn't work for you. I bet my Wookiee. <laughs> All right, time for the main show. Thank God. Yes. It begins. <laughs> Batman, the comic books. 
Now, here's the thing. We can't, if we were to do Batman the comic books in depth, we would have like a whole month of just Batman the comic books. We can't do everything. So I'm giving this. I cannot read that many comic books. Yeah, and Patrick would have a seizure. Yeah, and we're we're going to miss some stuff that diehard Bat fans are going to wish we'd talked about. Hell, we're going to miss some stuff that I wish we talked about. Yeah, we're and talk- I'm going to come back and talk about them anyway. We're talking about 75 years of Batman, so uh, there really isn't a way that we can do a comprehensive uh, show on this. So we're just pu- pulling stuff out that we remember, we enjoyed then and now, watching. But uh, yeah, and we're going to get most of the important bits. Yeah, so. Unless, of course, you're Charlie, then feel free to call and yell at us for not remembering the issue that you love. Holy catastrophe! That's amazing. But uh, a brief history of the Bat. One, if you do not know who Batman is, why are you listening to this show? <laughs> yeah, well, you're probably not our target audience. Yeah, you've, you've downloaded the but wrong thing. thank you for listening anyway. Yeah, stick yeah. around. It'll get better. <laughs> no, they just downloaded it thinking it was some sort of sports podcast. Oh, Bat. Batman. Okay, it's about baseball. Hmm. Bat- no, he's a fictional superhero. Well, first appeared in Detective Comics 27 in May of 1939. Wait, I thought this was Bat Masterson month. I've been reading all about cowboys. Keep going. I need need a cricket button. (laughs) Or just a box of crickets. Um, Originally named The Batman with a hyphen, uh, strangely enough between the M and the A, uh, so it was Batman. <laughs> the characters also referred to by such epithets as the Cape Crusader, the Dark Knight, and the world's greatest detective. Uh, Batman's been an ongoing comic book series in DC Comics. Because uh, that appeared in Comics uh, number 27. And uh, self-titled comic uh, began in spring of 1940. Yeah, that was about the time that the character transitioned a little bit from being way inspired by the early pulp classics where he would actually use a gun. He'd not only use his fist, but he'd kill his enemies with little remorse to a little bit more lighthearted by the time he got his own title and uh, got his sidekick. Yeah, when, well, that, when that came around, that's when like the giant penny... You know, he was always like tied up at the top of a giant blender. Once, once the the Comics Code Authority took over, it was there was a big shift across the board. And, Seduction and of the innocent. They had sidekicks everywhere in the forties, and and if you read, like I read a lot of the old stuff that we didn't even end up talking about. Um, the, the during that period, it's really hard to read. Like it's watered down and just it's bad. Like trying to get through it. Watered down? How you mean? Like not violent at all? It, yeah, the Batman's smiling. There's all this like, it's all jokes and the Joker's go America propaganda shit. Or what? Oh, there's it, some of that. No, in, but in, I mean like the like the Joker schemes. You know, in the original, just like Batman and the original Joker stuff or, or Batman stuff. You know, he's out, he's killing people. I mean, there's no remorse. It's just. But later on, he's got like he's got a uh, he's trying to stop Batman by having a crime of the month club, and he bids off crimes to the bosses, and they pay for these schemes that don't work, you know. And he's I don't know, it's it's just so lighthearted and silly that his, it, his, his next big you know big plot is he's going to try to return things to Bed Bath and Beyond without a receipt. Exactly, that's kind of what it was. Or like Batman, at one point he's in the Batcave with Robin, and they're like, "Oh, we've got this hair, but it caught on fire. So how are we ever going to tell who it belongs to?" And Batman's like, "Aha! Don't you remember? You just created a serum that could make burned hairs back to their normal color." It's like, wait, <laughs> that like, and it really happened. I can snapshot a picture of this from the is actual. Is there a market for that? There. 
Uh, well, and then they're like, it's green. There must be something wrong with the formula, but it's Joker's hair. So, of course, it's green. But, you know, how ironic that he happens to have this thing that he yeah. just invented. Well, that's just, just sloppy writing right there. That's horrible. Well, but that's the way it was. Back then, they called, I mean, calling that the golden age is kind of weird to me because back then they were just cranking out as much as possible. Well, sure. And that, in the Silver Age in particular, they usually had a formula. They'd have some wacky scenario on the cover to get you to pick up the book. And uh, you would uh, pick up the book to find out how it's possible. Like there's one I have here that it's like, Robin, that cape, uh, the wind ripped off, came from our trophy room. And Robin's like, golly, Batman, then we've got to get it back. It's the one that contains a clue to your secret identity. (laughs) (laughs) It's Batman featuring the great bat cape hunt. They didn't have yeah. a lot to work with back then. Well, they had to fight against the the fact that they were limited in what they could do. And so they had to really I mean, there's there's a whole sequence with the original Batgirl and her sidekick. I don't know, it was confusing, but it's it's and they're both Batgirl what, girl? Basically, yeah. There's two Batgirls. It's Bat Lady. More or less. And they want to all they want to do is make eyes, googly eyes at Batman and Robin and try and hit on him. And they, they don't ever do anything. They just have to be rescued. So they're like, they run in as these heroes and they end up getting caught or whatever and have to be rescued by it. It's like they're more of a they hindrance. comic books were written by men. That's well, I have they, to say there was a huge fad back in this time of tying women to chairs. That was like the thing to do back then. They get together on the weekends and tie people to chairs. That's thanks and to the that, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, I just found a Silver Age Batman uh, cover that illustrates what Joel's talking about perfectly. It's like Batman and Robin are getting beat up by a bunch of thugs. And if the cover is Batgirl's costume cut-ups. Batgirl, get over here. Help us. We've got a problem. And she says, I have a bigger one. A run in my tights. <laughs> and that's exactly how it it went. And at that time, it, it literally, it's really hard to read because... The original Batman stuff is is dark and it's violent and it's kind of more online with what we had now. It's pulpish. Yeah. And and even though he's a detective, it's not overdone. Like in the later issues, it's it's he's very much about, you know, oh, I got to get this, that and the other thing. And he's very forensic and trying to it's silly science that he's doing, but it's truer to being a detective. But back then it was, yeah, guns and it was very dark. Yeah. So uh, fast forward a few years or decades. And uh, we kick into 1986. Now, how many of you read this back when it first came out? Patrick, you're excluded from any comments or questions that I make about the next on the next, this entire show. <laughs> yeah. well, Joel, we're, we're talking, of course, about The Dark Knight Returns. Yes. Um, this one came out in 1986. It was a four-issue comic miniseries written by Frank Miller. Uh, illustrated by uh, Miller and Klaus, John, Klaus Jensen. Jensen. Well, and it's important to put it in its context, because at this point, Batman had sort of fallen by the wayside. Uh, The silliness of the Silver Age gave way to the campiness of the 60s. And when the popularity of the TV show faded, so did the popularity of the books, which had started to ape the same style. So you had this goofy, forgotten relic that just kept limping on just due to having been an icon in comic books for, for decades. But it was at about its end by the mid 80s. And then you've got The Dark Knight Returns, this ultra grim and gritty imagining of like a 55-year-old Batman looking at a dark possible future that like influenced every Bat title from its inception forward. Mm-hmm. And this is about yeah. that time where the comic the comic producers, this is, let's see, 86. When did Image come out? Uh, was- that would have been 90. 
three, maybe really? two. That far? That sounds about right. Yeah. Okay, but it was about this time where they started saying, you know, we really don't have to put that label on the comics. There's no law. I mean, it's about this time where the the comics code started drifting off, where you would get stuff like Watchmen and you get stuff like The Dark Knight Returns. And this is when I think people started to take notice of the comic books again, started taking notice of the stories. Like you said, Joel, it was like all this campiness. And once people started, the comic producers and uh, writers and all that said, you know, there's no law that says we have to have that damn sticker on our books. We're not Archie. And even Archie's not Archie anymore. But, um... Yeah. Then you got stuff like this. Now, I had not read Batman comics up until this point until one of my buddies, Dan, showed up at school with the, the collected volumes of it, the, uh, the graphic novel. And, damn, I was in. This one This one made me want to read Batman comics again. Because the, the whole story, for any of you out there who haven't read it, like Josh said, it's a 55-year-old uh, Bruce Wayne, and it's a... It's a dark future type thing. It's not really super sci-fi. It's kind of like what if. Yeah, it's more cyberpunk, uh, Highlander to Shadowrun kind of world. Yeah. And Batman is retired. Nobody knows where he's been. It's been, what, it was like 15 years since they'd seen him? That sounds about right. Ten years. Ten years years since they'd seen him. And now Bruce Wayne is in his golden years, and he's racing cars and hanging out with Commissioner Gordon and finally having a drink with him. And then out of of, uh, the asylum, which just dropped the name, Arkham, out of Arkham (laughs) comes the uh, Two-Face, who has had his face surgically fixed so he looks the same on both sides. The good side, you know, the not burnt side. Because that would be awful if they just ripped off the other half. Yeah. (laughs) No, no, he's normal and he's bald. Yeah. and Same. and, And these two doctors declare him fit and release him from Arkham Asylum. And then the shit hits the one, fan. One was a psychiatrist and one was a plastic surgeon. Yeah. And they both agreed that he was ready. Yeah. You're good. You can go out into this. You can, you know, be readmitted to society now. You're you're fixed. And almost immediately he kidnaps a kid. Uh, steel started, you know, stuff starts disappearing. A two, you know, gang shows up that's, you know, one's one part of the gang's all dressed in rags and the other one's dressed, you know, they're dressed half and half and all that. And Batman has to put the cape back on. But uh, going on from that, it's... The the initial first couple issues of it are the story of a legend that a lot of kids did not even believe that they had said, and they uh, that kids that had grown up and had never known Batman. They know it was like this legend, this myth that their parents talk about. But suddenly he's back. I don't. I didn't understand that because it had only been ten years. I mean, to have a, to say that a generation thinks you know that'd be like saying like kids in high school now are saying Michael Jackson was a myth. Like no, you know he was a real person. I mean, Wait, he was. Talk to people that have seen him. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I mean, but then again, that's the difference between Batman and Michael Jackson. Batman really is like a hi- trying to hide. Yeah. For quite a bit of his career in various imaginings of Batman, there is a bunch of uh, speculation as to whether Batman's real or if he's just a myth uh, told to scare straight thugs. Right. Well, I guess mm-hmm. I guess being somebody wa- who's like reading and watching it, you're, you see Batman all the time. So I guess if you're like in that universe, you're probably not going to be spending. Well, and time. you have to think, Batman. I mean, they're. I think they're thinking of more the later Batman because back in the 30s and 40s, he was very visible, like ribbon cutting ceremonies or there was museum openings that featured his stuff. And yeah, but here, yeah, he's more in the shadows and hidden from sight. Yeah. So, uh, of course, this one, it snowballs, Two-Face shows up, and then suddenly the Joker, who is still around and in Arkham, sees that the Batman has come out of retirement to take down Two-Face, and then he starts plotting again. He gets jealous, basically. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, oh, you know, Two-Face is getting all the fun. Um, 
this I don't know. Josh, did you did you read this when it first came out? Uh, I read it a few years later. Okay. I owned it, but I hadn't actually literally read it until this happened, the show. Not like today, but about a month ago, I read it for the first time. And it kind of changed my world a little bit. <laughs> Wait, you literally have, you owned it for all this time, but you've never actually read it? I hadn't read it. Yeah, I don't know why. I, I think because at the time, there was such a fervor over it being this collectible thing that the price had like jumped up really quick and it had become this big marketable commodity that I bagged what I had and I just didn't want to touch it. So I bought the trade paperback, but I just never read it. And I've owned this trade paperback for, I don't know, since it was put out. I mean, it's one of the, I'm trying huh. to see if there's a print year on here. Uh, 86. Yeah, that's that. It, it was combined at the end of the year after the four issues came out. It yeah. went into a, a trade right after that. So, and, well, now here's the question. I mean, I read it back when it first came out. What did you think? What of this is the first reading like 20 years later as a Batman fan? Uh, like I said, it literally, I, my world changed a little bit because I've, I've heard about it so much. I'm like, it can't be that amazing. And I've read a lot of comics. I just come off reading The Watchmen and, and I was like, you know, that was amazing. And so I didn't think there was much going to be better. And this literally, I think is, is my favorite book, uh, comic book, one of the best ever, period. See, I've gone through two or three copies of the graphic novel. Cause then, I, I mean, just read them to the point where they fell apart. Yeah, and I, we haven't even really talked about my favorite part, which is where Batman eventually ends up fighting Superman. Yes. Well, I know, I, oh, man, I want to talk about there's, a, they actually made this into an animated movie. I've got it sitting on my hard drive ready to watch. <laughs> yeah, the moment that a one-armed Oliver Queen yes! just like bounces out of nowhere and starts firing kryptonite arrows at Superman. It's badass. And yeah. I, I love the take on Superman. Because in a world where eventually, you know, you're, you, what are you, where are you going to end up eventually? And when the, they kind of start poo-pooing heroes, I mean, what else are you going to do? You're going to work for the government. He's like a shill. Right. Yeah. And it, the idea of the, he is the American superhero and this is a world where the American dream has been corrupted. Mm-hmm. So I, well, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and I think he knows it though. I mean, I think he, but he doesn't really, I mean, what other choice does he have? And he just kind of, buys into it and plays it up and i just the the whole characterization of of superman kind of changed my perception of his his character a little too how about you pat <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I agree with that <laughs> for you pat um, um where to begin um well i guess first off as you guys already know um but anybody listening wouldn't know i suppose i am not a comic book fan uh, I never read them when I was a kid, um, and I've never really read them as an adult either. Um, I owned two comic books when I was a child, and they were both Creepshow comic books. So, <laughs> That's um, good, though. Yeah. Um, I was more into the macabre of everything, you know, of anything. Um, I was just always, I've always been an avid reader, but I've always read novels. I've never been a big fan of graphic novels or comic books. Um, I don't exactly know why. Uh, I just, I just know that I don't enjoy trying to, decipher where i'm supposed to be reading for one all the time it drives me nuts i don't know i don't know why i don't like them i just never have so that being said <laughs> um i read the dark knight returns i mean i'm about halfway through it uh i'm gonna finish it because everybody you know applauds it so much so i will finish the whole thing um but i don't know i don't enjoy just how like like it'll, it'll be three panels of one story and then without any kind of anything, you just suddenly three panels of another story and then four panels of another story. And then we go back to the first story with a full panel. And then I'm, I'm like, you know, why are we bouncing around so much? I mean, it, it, it's like, you know, Quentin Tarantino without Adderall. 
just my opinion. So Sure. Hmm. Uh, I was just curious because I know you're not a comic book guy and you're in particular not a Frank Miller guy. And this is right. considered his masterwork. Yeah. So I mean, it's it just I mean, <clears throat> I don't know. I'm trying to read it and enjoy it. But I just it's just stylistically, I don't care for Frank Miller, like you said. <clears throat> Excuse me. And but I mean, you know, on the, on the same token, some of the other comics I read, I didn't care for the artwork in those either. Because like the the artwork in um uh the long Halloween, I, I did not like at all. Like you know the way they portrayed Joker, for instance. But we'll talk about that later. Sure. And actually, uh, w- once we're done talking about uh, uh, Dark Knight Returns, we should actually talk about Long Halloween before Year One, considering they're kind of the same st- one long story. Okay. But, uh, yeah. But but I mean I'm just I just I'm only bringing that up just to say it's I mean even though I don't like Frank Miller stylistically I I mean I still it's not like I liked you know somebody else's art a lot more I just don't like the typical comic book art I think is the problem I like more realism and most and most comic books are not drawn very realistically you know like Commando exactly <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, if the, you think you can't cut off the top of somebody's head with a circular saw, then well, you got no, you're probably right. Yeah, I think it's showing its age a little bit. I mean, you can see a very 1980s sort of cynicism, a very 1980s view of the future, but like oh, the yeah. themes still hold up, and you can see its place in history and returning Batman to a darker place. Uh, which you could see the long shadow of the Dark Knight returns over the rest of the Batman books. Mm-hmm. So and I, I think I think myself as somebody who's never read the comic books, you know, and only known you know Batman through uh, television and TV and, and movies, it was interesting, but also kind of an, an well, I mean, it was interesting to to finally actually get an inner monologue from Bat- from Batman because you don't you can't get that you know through the, through any other any media mm-hmm. any other medium you know so um it was interesting but it just kind of sucked that the first time i get an insight into batman is basically him just bitching about being old all the time <laughs> well i figured yeah. you'd connect right exactly <laughs> <laughs> you're about the same age right yeah. um i have to say my favorite part in in the whole story is when he kills the joker that whole sequence where it's like you know enough already he, he's it's he's had enough of this cat and mouse back and forth well, he stops and himself. It, it's not really as it, it's not so much intentional, but yeah, he the still Joker, ends up, yeah. Joker breaks his own neck to frame Batman. I, I don't know if that wasn't clear on your one reading. I but, guess not. Uh, yeah, he he does. It's and if it's actually very well done in the animated in the movie, uh, in the animated movie that they do of it, where he literally the Joker in the topping of all craziness, he's beat up and in, in order to get Batman to be vilified by the by the city, literally breaks his own neck. Yeah, I, I hate, Batman beats him almost to death, and he realizes at the last second what Joker's trying to do and stops. And then Joker realizes he's not going to finish him off, so he takes the final step and kills himself. Well, just that, that last yeah. panel is amazing. And the whole transition from the mutants to kind of the Batman, the half of the disciples and half are, yeah. I don't know. And, and, and the, the new, the Robin, the, the whole interplay with, with Robin being kind of the, the purity and everything, you know, amongst all the darkness and, and sadness and all the other crap that's going on. Here's this one only positive who's bright colors. And, you know, I, one thing I do, I do like about this. No, Pat, I know you don't like the art so much. I thought this one had some great, like full page pictures. Um, I know you haven't gotten to that point yet, Pat, but those, the one, no, it, it actually, I agree with you. I mean, I just, I don't like the way the people are drawn. I, I mean, the oh. scenery was very pretty. Well, I'm saying, well, wait till you get to the scene where the town, the whole town goes dark and they lose power and Batman rallying all the old gang members together to be a police force on this horse 
Yeah. Yeah. Because I think he recognizes when they're starting to follow him that without his guidance, they just become another street gang that is now Batman themed. Mm -hmm. And he comes, he he can turn them into something good. And there's that one bitchy ass man through the entire damn book. I'm going to sue you for this. That little, the bald guy with the little rectangular glasses. Right. Yeah. So Batman year one. Have any of you read Batman Year One? Oh, yeah. I thought we were uh, going to talk about the Long Halloween first. Well, Batman Year well, One and Long Halloween kind of uh, are one one yeah. long story. I guess you could start with Year One because chronologically, even though I believe it was published second, I think chronologically in the character's life, it's first. Year One? Right. Yeah. Yeah. This, one's, this one is almost equated to Batman Begins in the movies. It gives you like a, a reboot of where Batman started out, where his, what his first year was, him learning all the mistakes and stuff that he's making and that sort of thing. Um, it was done, let's see, who I had. That's Frank Miller as the yeah. writer again with, uh, David Mazzuccelli as the main penciler. Yes. I don't know where that went. It disappeared on me. But, um, it is, it's, what's nice about this one is that it's not just, it does, it does, even though the title is Batman Year One, it's not so much just him. It's Gordon discovering and interacting with Batman for the first time and that trust, you're discovering that trust being built between him and Batman through this first, uh, this first year. It's on IGN Comics, one of the top, on the top, uh, top of a list of the 25 greatest Batman graphic novels and, other comic oh. creators have also said that Year One is their favorite Batman story, including Judd Winnick, who is one of my yes, favorites. Yes, and I was looking, I was totally incorrect, because uh, Batman Year One is 1987, and Long Halloween isn't <clears throat> until 96 and 97. They're set in the same continuity, that same early period of uh, Batman's career, but uh, Long Halloween is much further after. Yeah. Um, so and then after that, we've got Nightfall. Which uh, came out in ninety three, ninety four. It was a trilogy. There was Nightfall, Night Quest, and Night's End, uh, where Batman gets his back broken by Bane. I'm really amazed yep. that I said that without. <laughs> that was pretty good. <laughs> that, was... that was a big deal when that happened. That, that was. I remember that. I mean, because I remember seeing the uh, uh, the comic cover of Bane with Batman over his knee. Yeah, and a lot of people, I think, had faded away from the Bat universe and were like, who is this just gigantic luchador who gets to break Batman's back and uh, coming out of nowhere? But uh, the character of Bane, if you read his origin, is really interesting. It's someone who was born into a life of prison. Uh, He has had to survive from literally the moment of his birth, and he finds out about Batman and becomes to uh, believe that Batman is to Gotham what Bane is to the prison that he was born into and eventually rules with an iron fist. And Bane is a similar sort of, he's intelligent, he's well-prepared, he's strong, he's got uh, expert fighting talents, and he sees a kindred soul and a worthy adversary in Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you've seen the movie, mm, yes. I want to say... Intellect-wise, they got bat, they got Bane right, but visually, oh, I thought he was awesome. Then I wish they could, I wish they could have done him as the Luchadori style because he is, he triggers this stuff on his back, the Venom Serum, and just gets huge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it would have been interesting if they could. I mean, I'm actually familiar with Bane because I remember back in the day when um, the first Batman movies were coming out and they cast Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, I I remember um, talking to people that said he should have been cast as Bane, so I looked up to see what Bane was, and I, it was a very interesting character. 
I mean, but the the way that they did that in that movie was in that version of the movie was terrible. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mean, I agree. Schwarzenegger definitely should have been Bane. I mean, that was a miscast by far, making him you know Doctor Mister Freeze. Freeze. Yeah, yeah. Mr. and Freeze. I'm sure we'll revisit that particular film when we talk about the movie. Right. right. Yeah, yeah we'll get there. But, but just about Bane's characterization in the film you brought up. So yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, one of the things about Nightfall is that you did get introduced to this incredible villain called Bane. One of the things that came out of this that really wasn't awesome was uh Jean-Paul Valet uh who became known as Azrael took over for Batman while he was recovering and basically Batman's like you know what, I'm done you, right yeah he's in the he's in the hospital bed Azrael takes over and goes berserk and is extremely violent it, I mean, hurting people beyond what Batman normally would do, where Batman would take you down and leave you. Azrael would make sure that you had scars. Yes. Thing. And eventually Batman has come back out of retirement to shut down Azrael. Well, and keep in mind that the character of Azrael being the new Batman, we're talking early 90s when you're, you've got Punisher, you've got Nomad, like grim dark guys that put people in the hospital or shoot them or kill them. That's what's in. This is the time of the gritty 90s superhero. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that crossed over. I mean, the thing is, I don't think that ever crossed over to Batman. I mean, I think there was still this innate feeling that Batman, yeah, he would take you down, but he wasn't. Well, he wouldn't kill. Yeah, that was that vengeful. was one of his main rules. He was just, but not vengeful. Does that right. make sense? Where he would he would come after you to make sure you got arrested, make sure he would put you in prison, but he wasn't going to take you down. It was never personal. Eh, it, I mean, the Punisher, personal. everything is personal. Oh, everything's oh uh, yeah, Punisher, everything's personal. But I mean, there was this thing about I think that why this was so rejected uh, by the comic community was Azrael crossed that line in what we saw Batman being. Sure. You know, it's like, yeah, the Punisher, yeah, well, he's out there killing people doing this stuff. Uh, what are some of the other ones you mentioned, Josh? Uh, Nomad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the hardcore, like like everyone says, the 90s when everybody is dark, you know, black ink was at a premium price because there was so little <laughs> of it. Um, well, that was the thing. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, like this was, that was that was the time. That was the era of the comics. But Blade, I, that's another one. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, well Blade's of, been around since the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. And Cable is another one that had that 90s sort of mm-hmm. grim, dark, big guns, lots of pouches. Little bitty legs. The Liefeld effect. Yeah. I want, yeah. I want some kind of, you know, accolade for even coming up with an example. I don't care if it was right or Good not. Good job, no. Pat. Good Thank job. You. you knew a thing. Hurry up. I did. I knew a thing about comic books. Yay. All right. So, um, but yeah, Ezra, I think the reason he got so rejected is that he just, he crossed that line. We, I mean, we want Batman to be dispensing justice, but we don't want him to be. A dick about it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he still had. I mean, as as we had seen in uh, Dark Knight Returns, is that he could stop himself. He had a definite... There, I mean, between him and Joker in the Dark Knight Returns, it's personal. It is full-on personal. And he stops himself right before, no, before killing the Joker. And I think that action in that book kind of resonated through the entire thing, that Batman, he will... He'll take you down, but he's not going to kill you. That is his vow, is that he's not going to take a life. Well, and a case in point, and and now I wish I would have caught that in the story when I read it, but the, when he goes back to, to Gotham after he kind of gets himself um, back together in um, uh, a book called The Cult that I read, um, he went back and he had this chance to completely obliterate everybody that's taken over the entire city of Gotham, but instead he loads up on you know, darts that knock them out and all mm-hmm. kinds of things that are going to immobilize them but not kill them, you know? It's- oh, yeah. And then even in Dark Knight Returns, he comes out with that tank 
and it's and he's firing rubber bullets. Right. You know, it's but uh oh, and uh there was actually a sequel to The Dark Knight Returns that came out in 2001, which I know I've been told kind of, not to read it. You should not. Yeah, it's not good. I bought it because it was uh, because I was Google-eyed and I was like, "Oh my god, it's you know, he's writing again. Dark Knight Strikes again. We'll go back into this." I bought the first one I'm like that was crap. And then on the second issue, I think there's only what two issues. Sounds right. Yeah, and it's a good thing because if it had been more than two issues, I wouldn't have bought the third one because it's like, oh, okay, well the first one was, eh. like, of course they're going to come, you know, like the second chapter's got to be better. Nah. Why is it so terrible? Elongated man. What? Um, plastic man. What a, turning, yeah, what plastic man turning into a giant toilet. <laughs> and, 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 what? And flushing guards, Arkham guards, down himself. <laughs> So he could turn himself into a toilet with work and plumbing. Apparently, we're that's just fancy. Gonna, that's we're just going to leave it at that because that's that is I probably in the two those two issues I think is the worst part of it is Plastic Man. Even though I love Plastic Man and that little uh, Samoan dude in the hula shirt that he was in the cartoon with, but um, yeah, he Samoan definitely <laughs> he does not belong in the Bat family of titles. No. Um, before we completely abandon the 1990s, I think now is probably the best time to talk about the long Halloween. It's uh, set in uh, 96 and 97, uh, basically inspired by the Halloween Legend of the Dark Knight specials by uh, Jeff Loeb uh, with the art by Tim Sale. Uh, it follows super early career right after Batman year one. Uh, of uh, Batman coming into his own and tracking down a mysterious killer named Holiday, who is murdering random gangland figures on holidays, one each month. And Batman is assisted from a villain named Calendar Man, who's basically irritated that Holiday has taken his shtick, so he's going to help Batman bring him down. So is, was that a character that had been in before, or was he invented just for this comic? Who, uh, Calendar Man? Calendar Man, yeah. Well, that's an now, excellent Calendar question. Man's been around. Because I'm, I mean, if, if he was just invented just to, to be the Hannibal Lecter kind of thing, that's kind of annoying. But if he was something that actually had a storyline before, that would that would be kind of a cool callback. Oh, Calendar, yeah, Calendar Man's first appearance was in Detective Comics 259 in September 1958. Okay, cool. All right, much better. Whoa. Pardon me. I don't know so, uh, in addition to being a holiday-themed uh, detective story, The Long Halloween has a lot to do with the origin of two major characters in Batman's rogues gallery. That of Catwoman, as Selina Kyle, and Harvey Dent, who we first see as just District Attorney Harvey Dent, and later through his transformation into the villain Two-Face. Yes. Now, this is one that you read all the way through, right, Pat? Yes, like that. Tell should us a little bit about spoilers? it. I mean, should, should we call spoilers since yeah. we already gave away the Selena Kyle one? Oh, everybody I knows who Selena Kyle is. I mean, not everybody. If they watch Gotham or any other if, movies, if the only know. thing you ever read was this this issue, you wouldn't know. I'm just saying. <laughs> but seriously, are we worrying about any kind of spoilers at any? No, point? not for Batman at this point. Yeah. Okay, I mean, all month long, we're not going to worry about it. Yeah. Okay, I'm good with that. Um, <clears throat> sometimes the artwork kind of annoyed me in this in this one. You know, like I didn't like how Joker, you know, had these incredibly elongated, you know, way too many teeth, for instance. But sometimes it was really, you know, it was really stunning. So, I mean, I was kind of torn on the artwork on this one. Um, I did not like how Batman looked like he was like Andre the Giant size. 
because as I mentioned earlier before, you know, um, Batman is supposed to be like an average man who's basically just, you know, kind of pumped himself up as much as he can. He's not an actual superhero in the sense of he's a superhuman. He just is a, is a human who really fucking works. He's like the, well, here's a sports analogy for you. He's like the Larry Bird of superheroes. <laughs> sure. I knew you were going there, Pat. I don't know why, but I knew you were going there. Um, you know, I mean, he's, he, he may not be the most talented, but he's going to outwork the hell out of you, you know, so... And I didn't like how he was drawn to look like this giant behemoth of a man, you know. And so, I mean, story-wise, though, it was very interesting. Um, I, I I liked it. Um, and I definitely did not see the twist at the end coming. I was trying to figure out who it was all along, and I was actually pretty satisfied with the answer we had, and then it twisted again right at the very end. So it was yeah. interesting. I love how it just starts with a slow boil with the mob war. Uh, between the Maronis and Carmine Falcone, first just hiring rival gangs as members of their family get picked off and they start blaming each other. Eventually, Falcone starts hiring the Riddler, Poison Ivy, all sorts of crazy stuff happens and you've got super villains on both sides batman running all over yeah. scarecrow gassing people and they, they already had their breaking people out of arkham just to get them to work for them and shit yeah <laughs> and then interesting, yeah. you find out that the holiday killer is uh falcon's son and he's going to uh take over and he's uh, exploiting the chaos uh, but batman figures out it couldn't possibly have been done by just one killer so he keeps digging. He keeps digging and realizes that all along the second holiday killer was actually Dent, who was uh, trying to deal with the organized crime problem of Gotham in the only way he knew how, by taking a personal hand in making sure the people who wouldn't ever get justice in a courtroom got justice. His way. Yeah. And he's actually burned by one of the Maronis, which finally makes him snap and crack and turn into Two-Face. So this this is maybe aside from the killing joke, maybe my favorite Batman story. Personally, really? I, I agree with the uh, Pat's issues with the artwork, but man, I love this because it's got a lot of the street level mob stuff uh, and it manages to take most of the rogues gallery and bring them in in a really cool way. But even above the Dark Knight Returns? Yes. Actually, I, I uh, put this for me above the Dark Knight Returns. Wow. The, the only one of the villains who doesn't really get a good spotlight was uh, the Riddler. I thought he got shown in a bad light. Other than that. I'll have to write. I'll have to. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Take a look. I neglected that one. I like. Fortunately. One it, it, I like. I agree with Pat. I, the teeth thing with Joker. He had, he had mobile teeth. They're incredibly long. And uh, what I, the one thing I did like about it was the fact that there was so much motivation played for the creation of Harvey Dent. Yeah. I mean, if you want a backstory for a villain, this is it. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, they give you, I mean, you, you, after you finish reading it and you get to that last page, you can pretty much draw a roadmap and be like, oh, yeah, when this happened here, you should have seen it, you know, this is where it's going. And, and it was interesting how they paralleled, you know, his life and Gordon's life and how each one of them was basically, you know, a side of a coin the same way as... Harvey Dent was. Yeah. So uh, I picked that up. Uh, um, real quick, before yeah. we are we about to take a break? Well, uh, I, gonna... I think we've still got to talk about Killing Joke for sure. Oh, well, and I just wanted to mention that I read the uh, Batman Judgment on Gotham and the Judge Dredd crossover, mm-hmm. and it needed more issues. Yeah. It did. Just, well, this, there's more than one. Judge Dredd and Batman come back together two or three times. But that particular, the first one. Yeah, with, with Judge, which, with uh, Judge Death. 
It's got Judge Death, Judge Anderson, and Mean Machine. And it's... Uh, Judge Reinhold. Mean Machine Angel. I mean, it's just kind of... I don't know. It just felt really shortchanged. But yes, let's talk about The Killing Joke. Because this is the one that I did read when I was younger. And I, I bought... I have I have it here. The original one I bought. And it's one that Brian Boland did the artwork for, who was a Judge Dredd artist. Speaking of Judge Dredd, my favorite of the Judge Dredd artists. And I hear touted as being like one of the best Batman stories ever. So I'm kind of curious what all you think. Well, it's Alan Moore, where if you're going to talk a more prolific name in comics writing, uh, even than some of the ones we've talked about, bigger even than Frank Miller, you're going to go to Alan Moore. Yep, Alan Moore and his crazy ass hair and beard. <laughs> well, let's talk about. He's even been drawn on The Simpsons. Yeah, talk about Swamp Thing and uh, the Watchmen. I mean, the man is. Yeah, you know, he was actually his own inspiration for Swamp Thing. <laughs> Are he you looked serious? in the mirror and he was like, "Ah, oh, damn, I gotta draw that." <laughs> uh, anyway, in a lot of ways, the Killing Joke isn't just a Batman story; it's a Joker story. Mm-hmm. Um, no, it's his origin. They retell his origin story. Yes. Yeah. It's retelling uh, his origin story uh, in a way that was the roadmap for later the uh, death of Jason Todd. Uh, the killing joke is a kind of a love letter from the Joker to Batman, which is something we see over and over again, where the Joker believes that he and Batman are two halves of a whole. Mm-hmm. The one has to exist with the other. I rec- I I don't remember. I wasn't able to read this recently because there was we there was a lot of stuff that we uh right. that we read a lot of material. I did read it back then, and I do remember the whole phone call thing. Oh, where he okay? So basically, you've got the Joker is a failed comedian who used to work at a chemical plant, and he gets uh, groped in by the Red Hood gang to let them in to the plant where he used to work. What he doesn't know is that they have been putting different people in the Red Hood costume and letting them take the fall uh, for whatever their crimes are. Well, this time, this time things go horribly wrong. Two things happen. One, uh, the failed comedian who would become Joker, he's only doing it for his family and his wife dies in a tragic accident. Uh, He says, I don't want to do it anymore, but he's strong armed into going through it. And the raid on the Ace Chemical Company just goes horribly crazy wrong. The rest of the gang is gunned down by the police in order to uh, get away. He tragically falls into a vat of chemicals and his his mind. Yeah, because, yeah, that's right. The Red Hood uh, helmet doesn't actually have eye holes. But it's got it's got like two way mirrors that you can see out of. But it's not it's it's horribly uh, it, you can't see out of it clearly. So it's like a stormtrooper helmet, right? He hit his head on the door when he was walking through. That's mm-hmm. correct. <laughs> anyway, go ahead, Josh. Sorry. So he falls into the vat of chemicals, mm-hmm. permanently changing his hair, his face, and I think the key is the chemicals are the last step in a series of steps that take an ordinary man and break him all the way down to believing that life is nothing but a cruel joke and the only logical response is insanity Mm -hmm. to the extreme and that's kind of his joke is uh on the world is uh he believes that life is a punchline to a joke where madness and cruelty are normal Everybody is one bad day away from losing their mind. Mm-hmm. Yes. Now, Pat, I know you didn't read this back then, but here's one of the things that they did with Jason Todd. He was – nobody really liked Jason Todd. 
as a, as a, uh, as Robin. He was one of the less popular ones. But, um, what they did is they, they put it to a vote on what was going to happen to him. And at the back of the comic, there was, you know, they had these little, like, uh, editorials back there. And you could call one phone number to vote to keep him around, one vote phone number to keep him, uh, keep him alive, or one to kill him, one to keep him alive. And there were 900 numbers, so you had to pay for the privilege. Yeah, I forgot. Of course. You keep talking, Josh. I'm going to look at what the, what the numbers were. Um, yeah, basically, this event uh, where they are going to decide the fate of Jason Todd, this is another big Joker story, where Joker decides that he's going to take uh, down Batman piece by piece. Uh, I, I think it was, was it Killing Joker? Was it uh, Death in the Family, where he actually shoots uh, Barbara Gordon. That's and killing that joke. Killing joke. That, that's, that's killing, killing joke. joke. Okay. Yeah. Family is... I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's kind of the whole selling point of the killing joke was, uh, to, that I always heard was Barbara Gordon getting paralyzed. Well, and that's the <laughs> thing is killing joke and death in the family are really linked because his murder of Jason Todd is his other big event to, uh, try and draw himself closer to Batman. Cause Jason Todd was a different sort of Robin, a more tougher street edge, another kind of nineties gritty reboot of the, uh, Robin concept. And, uh, I Did think Mike's King right. Type? Did he wear the Robin outfit even though he was a tough guy? Yeah. Yeah, he did. It was it was a 90s redrawn version, but I think Mike had the right of it that uh, people were not having gritty 90s superhero stuff in the Bat universe, which is why Jason Todd was uh, not very well liked and why uh, the vote basically said, uh, yeah, kill him off. And well, uh, Joker ends up beating him to death with a crowbar. Yeah. Jesus. Well, and well, yeah, yeah seriously. It's, well, the character they killed him off, Josh, it wasn't as close as I had thought. Five Five thousand three hundred and forty-three votes to five thousand two hundred and seventy-one. So, in the scheme of things, it was actually pretty close. That's about as close as the Al Gore George Bush election. Hmm. Topical <laughs> for, for for what year again? Yeah. So, but <laughs> anyway, keep going. Well, and then this says subsequent Batman stories dealt with Batman's guilt of not having been able to prevent it. Well, I mean, he's a millionaire. I mean, how many nine hundred? On one nine hundred phone calls, can you make? And you're a millionaire. What's like? <laughs> he should have called the number. Yeah, he should have called save. it more. Yeah, but no. When in 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 not joking. Later on in the in the previous not previous, but in the in the current Batman uh, uh, comics, there is a shrine to Jason Todd that is in the Batcave. There is a Robin. His Robin costume is suspended in this glass cylinder right where you he's where Batman actually said in uh, a um. What's the, what's the next one, Josh? The death in the families? Oh, death, death of the death, family. Death, death of the family. Um, Jason Todd's costume is standing there, and he says, "I put it right where I can see it all the time, just to remind me of what yeah. happened." So he never he really failed. gets over it. So, and the the scene is so brutal with uh, basically a warehouse where Robin and a hostage have been held. Robin actually unties the hostage and gets her out. Uh, but Joker shows up behind him and it's just so brutal where he's standing over him and he just says, this is going to hurt you a lot more than it does me. And almost the entire rest of the page is just Joker with the crowbar rising and falling over and over again. Oh, yeah. It, it's rough stuff. <clears throat> so uh, before we uh, break, I just wanted to mention a couple crossovers because Batman doesn't stick around in his own universe. He wanders <laughs> about. Other people wander in. Uh Batman has had crossovers with Spider-Man, Judge Dredd, Dracula, 
just no, these aren't all of them, but Tarzan, The Punisher, Patrick, Predator. Patrick? I Patrick. missed that one. <laughs> yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was, like, it was like a one shot. It was just like it one dull Batman issue. swinging around and Patrick just screaming through the streets of Gotham. <laughs> I was going to I was gonna go the entire month and never mention it. Yeah. No, but uh, they're Batman. Those panels are you just hitting a bong talking about how you hate comic books. <laughs> Classic Patrick. <laughs> Batman versus Predator and Batman with Sherlock Holmes. They're just some and, and um, Superman, obviously. Oh yes, and Superman. Yes, and Superman. I have to say real quick the Killing Joke. After all the time from when I read it to when I read it again, I was unimpressed. It felt like it needed more. It could have been just, longer. Yeah, I, it needed to be a, a couple issues long to really give the story justice. I thought it felt rushed, and Joker's plot was a little contrived and felt kind of like they were trying to mix like the the Frank Miller with the. Um, like original, like forties Bob Kane kind of nice guy thing. Did you just say a Batman villain's <clears throat> plot was too contrived in Bat? I I <laughs> did because sometimes that happened in Batman. But anyway, have any of you have any of you read the Spider-Man Batman crossover? <clears throat> no, I, I have not. I I it's... focused a lot on the vampire stuff, the Batman vampire trilogy, the uh, where it starts with Dracula. Yeah, it gets so good. It is that is a good that is a good series. The Spider-Man one though, the crossover goes with Carnage. And the Joker meeting up. What? Yeah, because apparently there the crossovers that that crosses between the the <clears throat> um, institution where they have Carnage locked up, and they go over to um, Arkham. <clears throat> is they put a chip in? Uh, I forgot the name of the guy who who's Carnage, but they put a chip in his head that supposedly uh, keeps him docile. And they bring him over to, they, of course, because the smart thing is now you've made this mass murderer completely docile. Let's take him on a tour. So they take him to Arkham and are like, oh, look, we can do this to the Joker and, you know, everything will be cool. So they do it to the Joker and they bring, they put the, the Joker and Carnage in the same car together. Whereupon Carnage goes, surprise, I was fooling you this whole time. I'm really fine and starts killing everybody. And the one I think one of the uh, coolest conversations in the whole book is, but not actually not between Batman and Spider Man, but between the Joker and Carnage. When Carnage just wants to slaughter everybody. Do you know who Patrick? Do you have any idea who Carnage is? Not a clue. Okay. Do you know who Ven- <laughs> uh, um, Venom? Venom is. Yes. The black. Okay. He's yeah. Yeah. Uh, Carnage is the spawn of Venom. Like it, it reproduced and found its host was literally a serial killer. Yeah, a country fried serial killer named Cletus Cassidy. Yeah. Nice. And he's red. Yep, and he's red and black, and just for as, even though Venom is nuts, this guy's just like full out kill everybody type thing. So, but uh, the Joker and Venom get into an argument that Joker's like, you have no style. You know, you need more style. You gotta, if you're gonna kill people, you gotta do it with some panache, and Venom's, you know, I mean, a car, uh, there, it, it's it's a ridiculous conversation, but <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't too bad. But shall we break, folks? Yeah, I think this is probably a good place for it. This is a good spot. Let us break. Good, good. Hello, and we're back. We're back. Yay! All right, so we're going to talk a little bit about Batman now, and the biggest thing if you've been in DC Comics, that's Batman current. Not there's a comic called Batman now. That's who this should true. be. That sounds yeah. like a soda. Batman now. It's not Sorry. as good as Batman Classic. Right. Right. <laughs> Seriously, the basic thing that DC has done with all of their titles in the last I don't know. It's been about five years now. Uh, has been the new Fifty Two after the flashpoint event they decided we're going to relaunch all of our comics we're canceling all of our existing books and we're going to bring back 52 different issues uh with uh brand new number ones and brand new continuity 
The exception to that was sort of the Bat family, because they knew that fans would not be very happy if all of the classic stories we talked about in the first half were just basically things that never happened. That doesn't mean that there weren't big changes going on for Batman. Uh, A lot of things were settled. Uh, There was a bit where Stephanie Brown uh, was Robin. Uh, from the new 52 on, you pretty much have Batman's son, Damian Wayne, as Robin. And they've sorted out all of the other Robins into various superheroic roles, aside from Stephanie Brown, who just, like, they don't make reference to at all. She's just the lost Robin. Which one is she? Is she the one that was in what we just read? No. No, not, she, that's Carrie. Uh, okay. Stephanie Brown uh, was a little girl Robin for, I don't know, early 2000s. Uh, she wasn't in any of the stuff we read. She was very popular for a while, but uh, they, the New 52 just didn't want to get into that. I think that they wanted to not make the reset and continuity as drastic as they did with, say, Superman, where New 52 launches with this brand new hero who came out of nowhere named Superman. They wanted to say that all that killing joke, uh, death of the family, Jason Todd, all that stuff happened, but they're going to reset to a simpler sort of continuity. But one of the new directions they wanted to do is they wanted to reveal some of the dark underbelly of Gotham, stuff that was so deep and so rooted in Gotham's history that even Batman wasn't aware of it. And that really started with uh, Scott Snyder's Court of Owls. Is that my cue? And cue. <laughs> oh, they were going to say, Joel, why don't you tell us a little something about that? I think that? he's talking to you. I think he is, too. So um, Scott Snyder and the Court of Owls, uh, it's organized. Uh, the Court of Owls is an organized crime group and secret society in Batman and other DC comics. Um, they've secretly existed for over a century in Gotham City. Uh, the court kidnaps child performers from the circus only to train and transform them into their assassins known as Talons. It was created by writer Scott Snyder and Argus artist Greg Capullo. Very good artist, Greg Capullo. The Court of Owls is first mentioned in Batman number one, 2011, and make their first full appearance in Batman number five as part of the new 52. Yeah, so they want to simplify, but they create new villains? Well, they wanted to also buff, I think, the new place of the story, because there's a whole lot of Robins. You've got, in addition to uh, Dick Grayson and Jason Todd, there was Tim Drake, and now you've got Damian Wayne. Uh, in order to make sure that they've all got their own identity in this new 52 sort of world, uh, Damian Wayne is Robin. Uh, Tim Drake, I believe, is Red Robin. Yum. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Dick Grayson is <laughs> Nightwing. There's a guy running around this giant stack of onion rings. <laughs> <laughs> That's his catchphrase, though. Yum. Jason Todd comes back as Red Hood. Comes back? Yes. Jason Todd actually comes back from the dead. It is in canon that Joker killed him. And for a while when he comes back, he comes back as a villain. But eventually, Red Hood is his own sort of anti-hero slash superhero leader uh, of the team Red Hood and the Outlaws. Can I just say that that is one of the things I don't like about comic books? It's too much like like soap opera-ish, whereas somebody can die and then be back. Like, death is never final, and that's kind of bullshit, in my opinion. Well, there used to be a rule that only Bucky stays dead, but even then they... It was true. Well, and for years they left Jason Todd dead, which is why the reveal that he was Red Hood was such a big deal. But the uh, Court of Owls talks about the myth that everybody in Gotham had that people thought weren't true. The idea that they're these ultra-rich 
uh, evil people living behind the scenes of Gotham who have been secretly making Gotham such a terrible place to live for decades. And even Batman doesn't believe they exist because he, when they're, uh, his parents were first killed, he went to the superstition of the Court of Owls and believed the Court of Owls had his parents killed. And he looked into it and never found any indication that there ever was such a thing. Uh, he ends up, uh, going up against the Talons, who are, have, are been revealed to be connected to the circus, which Dick Grayson grew up in. Of course. That for years and years and years, the kids have been taken from the circus, trained by the Court of Owls to be deadly assassins, and basically sicked on the Court of Owls enemies, including, uh, I think Alan Wayne, who's uh, Bruce Wayne's grandfather. These circus people don't notice all their children go missing? Uh, apparently the circus is in on it. Part of the thing is, like, kids mysteriously die or disappear, and they're actually being sent to the court by the uh, by the circus. It's actually one of the main things in the New 52 when you get into uh, Dick Grayson's own Nightwing books, is him dealing with his past and with people from the circus, realizing that they weren't the innocent folk he always thought they were. But you end up with uh, Batman believing that he knows Gotham better than anyone. He's a part of the lifeblood of the city and realizing that there's something deeper and older and darker that's hidden itself from him his entire life. And he falls into the trap, basically, of this Court of Owls uh, organization who, by the end, have uh, reanimated every single one of the Talons that they've had for decades. Because when a Talon is retired, it's put into, like, suspended animation where uh, it can be reactivated with, like, a chemical compound and a charge. And uh, once they are reanimated, they're very, very hard to kill. So there's a massive crossover event right at the beginning of the New 52 where you've got all of these undead assassins and uh, shadowy owls uh, basically as a new nemesis for Batman since the owl is the natural predator of the bat. So moving on, we talked a little bit in the first half about uh, death in the family, which was the death of Jason Todd. Uh, The next big event in 2012 is death of the family. Uh, yes, Death of the Family is a 23-issue comic book story arc verse published by DC Comics in 2012. Featured the, obviously, Batman and his family of supporting characters. Uh, spans several titles featuring several characters of Batman family, including, obviously, Batman, Batgirl, Batman and Robin, Catwoman, Detective Comics. That doesn't seem to fit. That was how <laughs> where his first... Uh, That's how home. Batman started. Yeah, number 24. We just talked about that. Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm, anyway, Nightwing, Red Hood and the Outlaws, <clears throat> Suicide Squad, and Teen Titan. Go. <laughs> yeah, because I'm pretty Story. sure that okay, teen, uh, Tim Drake is the leader of the Teen Titans, and uh, for a while, Harley Quinn was real big in Suicide Squad. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, Joker's daughter, right? Uh, no, girlfriend. Yep. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, so the story involves the return of Batman's arch enemy, the Joker, and his plan to destroy all the people Batman has come to rely on over the years. All the Robins, including the Red One, Batgirl, <laughs> Catwoman, Alfred Pennyworth, and Commissioner James Gordon. And of course, as I said earlier, the title is a reference to the classic Batman story arc, A Death in the Family, in which the Joker murders Jason Todd with a crowbar. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> I started reading these at nine this morning and took a break to mow my lawn because after a while i tried is that to get code them. yes for <laughs> mowing my lawn uh no it's it, it's a long read but. yeah i mean they do something really cool with joker they decide that they're going to introduce him for the first year 
as a character, but then very shortly into that first year one, you just have this weird off scene of Joker and Arkham with this new villain named the Doll Man. And he's sitting in a chair, and the Doll Man is carving his face off, like literally flaying the skin. Off Joker, not off himself. Off of Joker. Yes. And Joker apparently is into it. <laughs> like, this was something that he planned. And then the next thing you hear is Joker's face has been found. He's been skinned, presumed dead. No one knows where he is, and he's not in DC Comics for a year. Which I think was a very cool ploy. It's a bold move. I mean, because it's, I mean, you think DC Comics, if, if you say DC Comic villains to the to anybody out there on the street, they're either going to say Lex Luthor or the Joker. Mm-hmm. Those are the first two that come to mind. To pull him out of that, I mean, that's, that's huge to have him just disappear for an entire year with no writing whatsoever. Yeah, and in that, before his disappearance, they get into uh, Harley Quinn is on the Suicide Squad team. She, like, break rank, breaks ranks to get arrested by the Gotham PD so she can get Joker's face and steal it, which is pretty messed up. Yeah, and then she puts it on, uh, what's his name's face? And gets all Deadshot? Lovely. Yeah. Yeah, she, she basically, like, ties Joker's face to Deadshot so she can have a conversation with Joker. And then she, like, straddles him. And then it, then it gets awkward. It gets weird. Yes. Gets gets weird. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the things I you know what one of the things that I remember from this is that I I really like Suicide Squad. Oh yeah, absolutely. I had, I had read Suicide Squad for a long time. Pat, do you have any idea any idea backstory on Suicide Squad? Not a clue. Super villains working themselves to freedom, essentially. Yeah, like the government gets all these super villains and they put bombs in their head and say, "Okay, you're working for us now. If you work long enough, as far as the world is concerned." You are either in jail or dead, and now you're working for us, and you step out of line, and we're just going to hit the button that pops your head. Nice. Which happens in this in this uh, comic, too, with one of the girls starts talking, and her head just goes, we'd love to hire you, but if you're going to explode. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is almost opposite of the reaction to uh, the early 90s Batman. Because it's like the, they took, they it's like they almost wanted to take Batman with Azrael and make him darker and more visceral and all that. And in this, I think in the New 52 with the Joker, they said, you know what? He's nuts. Let's just go all the way with him. Because this is quite possibly the most vile version of the Joker I have ever seen. Yes. Oh, yeah. And he, down. he is looking at uh, Batman and saying, you know what? He's soft. He's not as edgy as he used to be. He's not not as dark he's no longer worthy of me which makes me less and what's making him soft all of these people that he's coming to rely on selena kyle james gordon mm. barbara gordon poor alfred oh yeah and the first person he takes is alfred and he doesn't even know or care that uh uh bruce wayne is batman he takes alfred simply because uh alfred is bruce wayne's butler and he's going to have this big dinner and the wayne foundation is supporting batman incorporated so he's like well this is a butler who's somehow connected to batman let's grab him he hit him with a crowbar <laughs> he sure did yum Poor. that didn't happen <laughs> yes he did he, yeah. hit, he, uh, he, he hit alfred with a crowbar yeah he, the, the doorbell rings alfred goes to answer it and there's a two-faced a uh, lion cub standing at the door. There's, There's a sentence I've never said before. There, <laughs> or will again. But it's standing there, and he, Alfred, of course, is like, "What the hell?" And then Joker jumps out of there and starts. Well, maybe not a crowbar. Was it a, a hammer? It was a hammer. I yeah, think. it was like a ball peen hammer. Ah, oh, that's almost worse. Yeah, it just starts smacking him with his ball peen hammer. And the, 
I remember reading being like, I mean, of all the other stuff with the with the heroes getting taken down in this and them getting captured by the Joker, you're kind of like, yeah, saw this coming. But man, that's Alfred. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you get into the crossover events and see him take down each one. He like baits Damian Wayne into coming after him. He grabs Barbara Gordon's mother. Oh, he, that whole that ah. he, he does all these things, but at the end, whenever he defeats one of these characters, he's ready for dinner and he's got this steaming tray which for a long when i first read this i thought pieces of alfred were underneath I that did tray. too when he had the the tray with the dome over the top of it yeah i thought but, he was gonna reveal that was like alfred's head yeah i did too and then i was like if, and thinking to myself like if, if that's alfred's face i'm gonna be real upset because poor alfred i mean he is just like he's like the one stanchion of sanity and all this craziness going on it's like yep my boss is the batman and robin's sitting over there and got all this craziness but you know what i'm making breakfast <laughs> you know it's like he's he's doing his job he's helping him out now granted pennyworth does have a background of being a badass yep but yep. at this point he's pretty old it's true and i don't know if you noticed in the red hood stuff what the weapon he used to fight jason todd was that was a crowbar. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he was going over and over again. It's like you and me, just like it was always supposed to be. And Jason Todd thinks that he's uh, going to stop uh, Joker from beating him to death and catches the crowbar in mid-swing. And then Joker pulses electricity through it yeah. and shocks him and knocks him out. What, what I liked about this is Joker goes so freaking over the top that even Harley Quinn turns on him. Right. And, and he puts Harley in the original Red Hood costume from killing joke mm-hmm. and that's i think how he gets batman is he has uh batman uh chase red hood to the side of the ace chemicals factory thinking he's chasing joker not knowing it's harley in the costume yeah and then he winds up getting dumped into another one of those vats full of uh the green whatever that fluid that they turn the joker into the joker is um but yeah Har- even harley quinn who pat do you know harley quinn yeah i know well, he thought it was yeah. his joker's daughter so no not yeah well i'm I mean, familiar it, with the character yeah she originally was a therapist that was assigned to working with the Joker and eventually fell in love with him and eh. turned turned tail and you know uh, kind of nutty. Yeah, um, even she is like you've gone over, you've gone beyond because he he's trying to cut her face off, make her make him pretty like like he is, and that sort of thing. I mean, he really goes over the top. Oh, he's running it. around without a face this whole time. It, yeah. Well, not technically, he has a face. <laughs> well, he gets his face back. It's just not attached. Off for a year, and he ties it onto his face. I said, look, I, look oh, at that's yeah, what look, the thing is that you sent in the yeah, that's the that's cosplay, what, yeah. Yeah, that's what Joker uh, looks like in the in the entire series. One of the more disturbing things is when he actually faces down Robin, Damian Wayne, he staples his face on upside down. Oh. So his teeth are coming through the eye holes and his eyes are looking out through the inverted grin. Uh, yeah, it's it's twisted. And then he just dumps so all demented. those bugs on him. Yeah, and uh, in the side stories, he is coming to various villains. He comes to Oswald Cobblepot and uh, basically blackmails him into showing up at the dinner because he wants to have this great court of all of with batman is the king with all of the different villains that make him who he is and he has cast himself in the role of court jester and he he is so crazier than uh, any other incarnation of the joker i just love this story so much 
Yeah, it's they finally take Joker and push to the point where you think he's always going to go, but they've always stopped. You know, it's like he's yeah, he's kill he kills a bunch of people with them all, but he doesn't. It well, first off, the face thing. Sure, <laughs> yeah, it's and then seeing the different interpretations of the face from the different artists that as they draw him is really cool. Do you do you have this? They give him the general description of what he's what he looks like, and they have different takes on it. But seeing the reaction of the different heroes to um, the Joker flipping out this badly, one that stands out in my mind is Batgirl. Or Batwoman, uh, when she he takes her his mom hostage, her mom hostage, cuts off her finger and then proposes to her right. with his mother with her mom's finger. Yeah, with the, her her engagement or her wedding ring. Yeah. She's like, "Will you marry me?" It opens up this cloth. And her his, her mom's finger is there with the ring still on it. And nice. it, well, it just makes it Batwoman. That doesn't, if that doesn't get you a woman, nothing will. I know. Seriously, uh, if Batwoman at this point has just a had Batgirl, enough, there Bat, are two sorry, different characters. Sorry, actually, Batgirl yes. has had enough at this point. She's been shot by joker she's had all this stuff and when the when his goons get to the house to try and take her down she there's like no remorse she's just shy of shooting one guy in the head because she's like i'm not gonna put up with this i'm done with you know he's gonna play like this i'm gonna play like this but as in true with the bad character she pulls back doesn't well yeah because he's reenacting the killing joke Mm -hmm. he's showing up at her apartment and there's a knock on the door and she knows because she's heard the joker's uh uh recommitting all of his crimes that someone in cloud makeup is gonna be there with a gun and he's trying to make her afraid to make her remember the time he shot her in the spine and put her in a wheelchair for decades. Yeah, and then she became Oracle. Oracle, yeah. So when you get to the big reveal where Batman actually breaks out and finally gets back to his family, they're all sitting at dinner and what's on the plates? Their their faces like in ice. Yeah. And they reveal that uh Alfred has gotten a big old dose of Joker toxin and is all Jokerfied, but not enough kill him. Not enough to kill him. So he's like this Joker zombie butler, which is disturbing too. Yeah. And when uh luckily uh when Batman actually finally defeats the Joker, uh it turns out that uh Joker was sort of bluffing. Like they take the bandages off and he had just uh put the faces down there to mess with them. He didn't actually cut their faces off. Yeah, where they're all sitting at the table, they're all wrapped up like two face. The ah, okay, that makes yeah. sense. So they, yeah, they've all got the bandages on them, and they're bloody. And again, it's one of those things where you see the food, you see the the meals with that steel dome over the top of them. And again, it's one of those. Okay, yeah, this is not going to be good. I'm well, and I love the psychological like out uh, like fallout from this, where Batman is getting texts from the rest of the Bat family, like making excuses for why they can't turn up and meet with him. Yeah, because they're basically like huddled and shaking, and then there's the whole issue of like alfred damien and bruce wayne all having nightmares about the joker just from what he put them through yeah and of course alfred's is the best where he's the he comes downstairs and in his nightmare the joker is uh, standing on a pile of all the bodies of the bat family beating them with a crowbar and he just blows them away yeah he pulls up a shotgun and shoots joker straight in the face and then he wakes up from his dream you know like in that startled <gasps> and then he's then he like re- recalls what happens and smiles and puts his head back down oh yeah so but that so that that is really an intense storyline yeah and that crossover went through all the bat books like putting other things that uh were in place on hold which actually made it a little difficult to read at times because you get into the Teen Titans stuff, and we're obviously in the middle of another story, but everyone's like, put everything on pause, Joker's on the loose. Mm-hmm. That's what happens when Pat comes in town. <laughs> Everyone freaks out and takes off their faces. That too. That's just a side effect. So... 
So yeah, probably the uh, biggest thing in the last couple of years has been where Grant Morrison wanted to go with Damian Wayne from the instant he created the character. Uh, he had been planning from the time he decided that Batman was going to have a kid that he never knew about, who was raised by Ra's al Ghul and his uh, and Talia al Ghul, who is. Batman's one-time lover and the mother of Damian Wayne. Uh, Grant Morrison had this idea. It's uh, We're going to reveal that Batman's got a kid, and uh, he's eventually going to come around to choosing his father's way as a superhero. But from day one, Grant Morrison knew that where that character was going to be ending up would be dead. And uh, death of Damian Wayne and uh, Damian Wayne and Requiem, Requiem was a big event last year. That's crazy that he thought of that from the beginning like that. Yeah. Joel, that's you again. I don't know if you... Eh, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> okay. So, Damian Wayne, not Damon Wayans, I have to say that at some point, was <laughs> killed battling a brutal enemy, the heretic, a.k.a. adult Damian clone, in issue number eight of the Batman Incorporated comic book, which went on sale February 27, 2013. According to the story's writer, Grant Morrison, he saves the world, he does his job as Robin, he dies an absolute hero. Not unlike Adric on Doctor who. Anyway, uh, in the comic, Damon is fighting hordes of Leviathan henchmen in the lobby of Wayne Tower when Nightwing comes to rescue him. Behind cover, the two briefly reminisce about their time together as Batman and Robin before resuming their defense. When the heretic arrives and knocks Batwing out, Damien bravely fights him. However, the heretic eventually gains the upper hand and impales Damien through the chest, the sword piercing Damien's heart and resulting in Damien dying almost instantly. Minutes after Damien's death, Batman arrives and see Dam- sees Damien's body. Angered, he and a revived Nightwing battle the heretic but are eventually forced to retreat with Red Robin Yum and Damien's body. <laughs> after yeah. holding a private funeral for the fallen boy Wonder, Bruce vows to avenge his son's death. Uh, he dies again? Oh, wait, no, that's a different number. This is a different Robin. I mean, basically, you've got this character who is raised by his mother and his grandfather. Uh, Ra's al Ghul, as you probably know, always wanted Bruce Wayne to succeed him. But uh, the thing about choosing your successor uh, for the League of Assassins as a guy who won't kill anybody, it doesn't work very well for you. So instead, uh, part of his plan is to send his daughter to seduce Batman. And over the years, whether or not Batman and Talia are actually in love, whether they're enemies, lovers, whether they could have had something, that's all kind of left murky and seems to change as the years go on. But uh, it is revealed that he has this kid who is raised to be the Batman that Bruce Wayne never would be. He's brutal. He's willing to kill. Um, And the heretic, in a lot of ways, is what Damian Wayne would have been if he had never gone back to his father, if he'd grown up in the League of Assassins and decided to be this evil, brutal killing machine. Uh, So he's kind of facing like his own dark future if he hadn't been kind of redeemed by choosing the heroic path that his dad had. And I don't know how much uh, you guys have seen over the years of Damian Wayne as a character, but he's kind of a little brat. Uh, He's constantly uh, rebelling against his dad for no reason, believing that uh, he knows better, that uh, his training uh, with his grandfather has been enough. He's like, okay, I'm going to do these good things, but I'm going to do them my way. And a couple of times... Uh, he lets himself get captured by supervillains and then murders them in cold blood. Like a lot of people found him a Robin that was very, very difficult to like. Hmm. Found him kind of a little. Uh, I'm trying to think of the the first big thing. Uh, Damian Wayne, who did he kill? 
drifting in wind kills. I'm just imagining like there's a, there's a meeting of all the villains and like, whoa, 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 this guy just killed one of us. <laughs> this is not how it works. Someone didn't get the book. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, he's Batman. Batman doesn't kill. Exactly. That's why I chose to be a villain in Batman's world. He won't kill me. <laughs> I get to go to Arkham for a while and then I'm back out on the streets doing crimes. <laughs> Now this kid comes along and starts killing us. Oh, it's Dad. worse. Like, Damien uh, grabs the Batmobile and knocks an ambulance off the bridge. Oh, God. Oh, God. Without any sign of remorse or even concern. And Alfred reprimands right. him for it, and Damien retorts with a threat. Oh, nice. Oh. Pat's like, I like this kid. Uh, yeah. That kid's a little punk. He's growing on me. <laughs> like a fungus. <laughs> Uh, and for a while, uh, when uh, Bruce Wayne is thought dead for a while, uh, Grayson takes over the Batman mantle and uh, Damien assumes the mantle of Robin at uh, Grayson's side. I'm glad you brought that up because I meant to ask that when he was reading that. He said their time together is Batman and Robin. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a brief time where a villain called Darkseid, uh, they thought had killed Bruce Wayne and for a very long time. Uh, it's like, okay, well, he's dead. He's not coming back, but Gotham needs a Batman. So Dick Grayson takes up the cowl. Huh. Is he still alive in the canon, Dick Grayson? Yes. Yeah, he's Nightwing. I mean, he got pretty more badass, too. Once yeah. you take off the little winged shoes. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember. Is he the, uh, was it Nightwing or is it uh, Red Robin that has the uh, sticks? Red Robin has the sticks. I think. Mozzarella sticks. Yeah. <laughs> so, on that note, so the later storyline, Requiem, deals with the aftermath of Damien's death and Batman's thirst for revenge against Talia, as well as his own increasingly unbalanced mental state resulted by this loss. He is buried next to Bruce Wayne's parents, Damien's paternal grandparents. Batman is also unwilling to accept his son's death and begins seeking the means to resurrect Damien at the cost of his relationships with his friends and allies and had not yet made the information of his death public. Damien's absence has also been causing a conflict between his father and his acting instructor, Carrie Kelly, who is determined to find out what has happened to him, leading her to realize that the Waynes are harboring a seat. Carrie Kelly. Mm-hmm. Irish, I think. Yeah. What? What? Huh? Huh? <gasps> you kind of faded out, so sorry. Oh, all right. Did I continue? Anyone? Yeah, go ahead. I, yeah. I'm waiting for you to finish. I'll finish, I'll finish the rest. Okay. Cheese sticks. <laughs> I just didn't know if that was really all that interesting, me reading. But all right. Anyway. You're so when Batman know. and Nightwing finally reconfront Heretic, they overpower him and the clone suffers a brutal beating from both in retaliation for Damien's death. I'm getting Batman sick of despite, clones. What? I'm getting sick of clones. There's a lot of clones. And a, lot of, a lot of clones and a lot of undead in comics. Don't, don't watch the original or the three Star Wars movies, the first three. And there are a lot clones. There are a lot of clones of Damian Wayne. I mean, that's what basically happens is basically his mother and grandfather are like, okay, if he's going to go off with his dad and play hero, we're just going to clone him until we get one that decides to be properly evil. Damn. I wish cloning was that easy. Twist it. Well, it's probably easier if you have access to the Lazarus Pit. I don't know if if it's just a side effect of the resurrection, but uh, Ross has been around long enough to figure all that out. Hmm. Interesting note, you guys were kind of raising an eyebrow at the name Carrie Kelly. Carrie Kelly is the name of the Robin, uh, the female Robin in the uh, Dark Knight Returns. Yeah, that's why, because I, I haven't, ah, yeah, I haven't I was, read. I was wondering why that was sounded familiar. I haven't read these issues. So when you said Carrie Kelly, I was like, did they? I'd like an ice cream clone. What? <laughs> I like an answer clone dyke bar. Ah. Answer to your uh, earlier question uh, about uh, who specifically was murdered by uh, Robin when he was Damian Wayne. Uh, there's a villain named Nobody who was actually Henri Ducard, who was uh, one of the master detectives who uh, trained Batman in the, the ways of being a detective. It's also the uh, 
uh, persona that Liam Neeson has in the movie before he reveals himself as Rosh. Mm. Interesting. So he was playing nobody or the person who would eventually become nobody or he, he would eventually become nobody. He, he started just killing criminals, but uh, eventually he uh, believes that Batman has uh, disgraced him. And in, in, in Batman Begins, they just basically combined the two characters. Yes, they did. OK, so, yeah, uh, basically that was the big moment where uh, Bruce and Damien had to sit down and establish some parent child boundaries. And apparently the big thing is don't let yourself get captured by a supervillain so you can murder him. One of those rules that gets you put in timeout. (laughs) (laughs) In superhero timeout. Yeah, and when Batman puts you in timeout. (laughs) You stay in timeout. Although his mother's discipline apparently was a little bit more effective for Damien because he's still in timeout. (laughs) Yeah, before actually uh, raising the the adult clone of himself as a hitman against Damian Wayne, uh, uh, Talia Al Ghul put a price of five hundred million on her son's head. That was weird. In the uh, death, uh, death of the family, when that giant toad thing came after him, yeah, what the hell was that about? It was just like a superpowered assassin who's like five hundred million sounds good to me. I'm gonna collect. Yeah, it's like every uh, every bounty hunter, every bounty hunter in the galaxy is going to come out with you. Yeah, I know. Right now, they're playing with the idea that they may actually be resurrecting Damian Wayne this year. Uh, the League of Assassins uh, stole his body briefly, and I guess his grandfather was just going to chuck him in the Lazarus pit and bring him back. You know, Patrick's favorite thing in all of comics. Resurrection. Yeah. As a clone. But at the end, basically, uh, Batman gets his son's body back and threatens Ross if he tries to do anything like this, he'll finally do what he's uh, refused to do all these years and kill Rajal al Ghul. And he gets his son's body back and then, like, another villain shows up and takes it and is like, later. <laughs> <laughs> Yoink. Uh, one of the henchmen of Darkseid, uh, a guy by the name of Glorious Godfrey, shows up and, yeah, disappears with uh, Damien. Damien's body. Glorious Godfrey. So Glorious is, is, Godfrey. Is, basi- is basically Damien Wayne like considered to be like the ultimate superhero or something? Because is that why everybody's fighting for him and cloning him and all this kind of crap? Well, I mean, he's the son of he's the son and heir apparent of the League of Assassins and the world's greatest detective. So he doesn't have superpowers, but like if he could grow up to be the son of those two people, they I think they imagine that he's got a great destiny in front of him. Good gene pool. And yeah. If at first, you don't succeed. Clone, clone again. Well, and that's kind of always been Ross Al Ghul's kind of thing. Is he's lived forever, but wants to find someone to replace him to take over for him. Which is what makes it everybody wants to retire. It doesn't matter how old you are. Uh-huh. Right. So that's kind of up to where we are now. Uh, currently, I, a lot of people have talked about Batman's power scale in the comics really depends on whether he's in his own titles or whether he's in the Justice League. It's like if he's in the Justice League, he is this ultimate badass who is like outclassing Superman and taking on galaxy level threats. And then in his own book, he might get beat up by a dude with a flamethrower named Firebug. <laughs> True story. No, that was Batgirl. Well, yeah, it, uh, but Firebug was a Batman villain. Oh, okay. See, you I, know, one thing I didn't like about the art in in one of those um, in one of the ones I read one thing. was his cloak was what? I just, I just said one thing. Well, he's read several, so he's quantified. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I didn't like that, like the way they drew his cloak. It, it looked ethereal almost, and I'm like, you know, because Batman is not a spirit. I mean, his his cape should have like a definite end, but like the artwork just had it like swirling and spreading everywhere. You know, that was in uh, the Long Halloween, I think. Creative license? 
They kind of do. Po- this, it just popped in my head for some reason. They do know. something very, very similar in the Court of Owls storyline, although it's from him being trapped in the maze of the Court of Owls for so long that his cloak is actually tattered and ripped. Like, and it almost looks like ghostly rags. It's got the same sort of thing, but with a more, I don't know, explainable reason for why they look like that. Right. And I just didn't understand why they would draw it like that. You know, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I love the the writing in The Long Halloween, but you're right. The art is super stylized with, like, Catwoman's ears being super pointy. That is yeah. weird. Yeah, I, I think the art is not my favorite, but I love the writing. I, I would agree with that. Stylistic choices, that's all. Yeah, it's definitely something where you can take a look at the costumes and identify, oh, that's definitely Long Halloween Joker. That's definitely Long Halloween Batman. Oh, they, com- well, they completely stand out from all the rest of the lore. Right. Especially Catwoman. Yeah. Yeah, I know that in some of the video games, one of the unlock costumes for uh, all of the characters are their long Halloween equivalents. Yeah, in um, Arkham Asylum, no Arkham, Arkham City Arkham too. City, yeah, you get I've you can play with the long Halloween characters, and they and it's just like you said. I mean, you can definitely tell they stand out. You can also play with the animated series characters too, which is pretty sweet. But, well, that's a pretty good segue into next week on Bat Month. Yes, Bat Month Part Two TV. TV. Yep. There it is. Batman Sorry. on television. So we're going to be uh, immersing ourselves in uh, some Batman meets Scooby Doo and we're gonna be immersing ourselves in Batman Beyond. What's Don't that? Forget. Adam West. Yeah. Adam West was Batman. Patrick's favorite <laughs> subject. <laughs> he loves that show. No he, love for Burt Ward. He just has a thing for Eartha Kitt. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm not wearing any pants. The, th- <laughs> the three cat women. Uh, so yeah, so next week is Batman on TV. So if you have any uh, special episodes or some cool stuff that you'd like to let us know about, you can find us on uh, 708 Now Wrapped, 708-669-9727. You can also get us on email at 40go14 at gmail.com. or on Facebook and on Twitter as at 40go14. Yeah, absolutely. If there's anything we glossed over, I, I know we barely talked about Tim Drake. There were a few other things that just for time's sake we had to let go by the wayside uh if there's a favorite batman moment from the comics let us know uh if you are interested in looking at other non-batman related uh topics in our show you can always find our archives for download on itunes blueberry stitcher or talk shoe or you can listen uh to us saturdays at noon on geek life radio find us at our home on the web at www.40go14.com or on the musings of a geek podcast network page at www.musings of a geek.com yes yum <laughs> so there you go well, folks last time sorry no <laughs> i like it no i want onion rings Ooh. and a burger you know swear to me <laughs> put cheese on the fries <laughs> good night folks good night everybody good night. you are now leading the world of musings of a geek podcast network stay geeky my friends Hey, Joel, do you have voice search activated on your computer? No. What is that? Go to go to Google. Well, tell me what it is. I'm not activating well, something it's, randomly. It's, it's self-explanatory, man. Voice search. There's only two words. Why do I want to have voice search? No reason. <laughs> Just do it the real quick. The answer is it, no, it, Michael. It, it won't stay. Okay, Josh, you, did you hear, remember that chime that you heard earlier? No. Okay, never mind. Okay, Google. No, I'm on Google. For some reason, it didn't work. Okay, Google. Yeah. Yeah. Find yeah at dictionary.com. <laughs> The yes, Usher. Yeah. Mock. Are you still on it? Bird. Are you still on it? Yeah, I'm still on it. Okay, Google. Muscular she-males. God damn it.
Yeah. 